Player 2 is joining the game. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with the salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary of over $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the Adventures in Angular link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hire to get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hire.com slash Adventures in Angular. Does your team need to master AngularJS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours, angularbootcamp.com. This episode is sponsored by Widgmo 5, a brand new generation of JavaScript controls. A pretty amazing line of HTML5 and JavaScript products for enterprise application development in that Widgmo 5 leverages ECMAScript 5 and each control ships with AngularJS directly. Check out the faster, lighter, and more mobile Widgmo 5. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the provider I use to host all of my creations. All the shows are hosted there, along with any other projects I come up with. Their user interface is simple and easy to use, their support is excellent, and their VPSs are backed on solid-state drives and are fast and responsive. Check them out at DigitalOcean.com. If you use the code AngularAdventures, you'll get a $10 credit. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 54 of the Adventures in Angular podcast. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. Katya Eames. Hello. John Papa. Hi. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv. We have a special guest this week, Minko Getchev. Hello. I know I said that poorly. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. My name is Minko. As you said, uh, I'm a freelancer. And in my spare time, I love doing open source, blogging, I used to teach uh, JavaScript and a few other disciplines in Sofia University and uh, organizing some community events here in, in Sofia, Bulgaria. Awesome. It's, yeah, basically that's it. And I have some uh, interests in um, computer science, software engineering, not only the practical side, but also the theoretical. What so, uh, community events do you organize? Sofia.js and I found out that it's easier to organize beer JS. Actually, you invite people to a bar, you find a company to buy beer, and uh, it's just much easier, much simpler, and people are happier. Cool. So I have to ask, what time is it in Bulgaria? It's around uh, midnight. Wow, that's dedication. <laughs> it's just after whatever. He stays probably just getting started. Utah, yeah, <laughs> he's a programmer. <laughs> yeah, still got a good four more hours before it's time for bed. That's right. Yeah, just. Just finished my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Monday night I started working on a problem at one thirty in the afternoon and got done at 6.30 in the morning the next day. So. Holy cow. Yeah. Was it no fun or was it like awesome? Because no, it, it can be, it's one or the other. It was no fun. Oh. It, it was kind of an emergency deal. So. And I knew this guy and the newest version of, this is back in the day, I'm going to date myself here, Fox Pro, right? Visual Fox Pro just released, and I remember the dude stayed up for like 48 hours because he was so entranced. You know, that's a, that's a really interesting story, Joe, but why are you dating yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, gosh. 
<laughs> Moving right along. Yeah, so the, the topic today is immutability in Angular. Do you want to kind of give us some idea of where you would go with that and why it's useful to think about it? Okay. And before you and before you do that, would you mind explaining for everybody who may not know what what is immutability? All right, sure. Immutability, it uh, sounds super unpractical initially, I believe so, because you're creating an instance of a data structure which you cannot change, you cannot mutate over time. So you're creating a list of developers, for example, and you cannot append new developers to the list. Basically, the concept comes from the purely functional programming languages, and uh, it has uh, broad applications in the modern uh, front-end web development, uh, I believe. Yeah, I now, do you mean that the uh, do you mean that the data structure is immutable, or do you mean that the data itself in that structure is immutable? The data structure is immutable, and, and uh, well, we can if if this data structure is immutable and the items inside it are they could be immutable too. But in our case, we are going to talk about only about the immutable data structures with eventually mutable items. Now, could you explain kind of like why, why is this big thing? So this is a topic that a lot of technologies are, are focusing on lately, it seems. So why is immutability something that particularly is interesting to Angular developers? Right. Well, um, I can tell you how I decided to bring immutability to Angular, to Angular 1. Initially, it started by working on React projects. Maybe saying React in Angular podcast is a dirty word. Uh, <laughs> we'll forgive you. <laughs> No, not we've, at all. we've already cut you off. It's already canceled. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so I started working on a React project like maybe a year ago. And uh, I really like the way they compose the user interface into different components. And uh, I also like functional programming languages. In my spare time, I do some Haskell. So uh, I started thinking about these compo- components as functions because basically they, accept, they can accept some input. And uh, they give you an output. Basically, that's what a function is. And the output is basically the rendered UI. Uh, so if you start thinking about these components as function, it's much easier to get this abstraction. And you can go one level, level above this. You can start thinking about these components as pure functions. Basically, functions which do not produce any side effects, which do not modify any global mutable state or anything. They just receive their inputs, do some computations, and produce an output. And that's what a pure function is? Well, there are two things which uh, a pure function should do. Uh, it should not produce any side effects, and each time which is which the function is called with the same set of arguments, with the same values, it should uh, produce the same result. So Sounds like a basis for unit testing too, huh? Yeah, it's perfect for unit testing as well because you don't have to handle any mutable state, global mutable state at all. And uh, in React, basically we have this method called shoot component updates, which is called each time something changes. And basically if you have this pure function and this function accepts some input and this input are the properties, basically. So you can decide whether the component should update only by uh, comparing the previous input of the function with the current one. And of course, if the this input is different, so you, if you need to perform a deep equality check. And uh, if this input is different, then the component should re-render itself. That's with mutable data. But here the immutable data comes. So when you create an immutable data structure, it cannot be changed. So when you try to modify it, 
this will lead to creation of a new immutable data structure with the, with the modification applied, with the mutation applied to it. So you can decide whether the input parameters of the component has changed only by comparing references, right? And uh, this makes the shoot component update method much faster. And I thought, well, maybe if you can take advantage of this in React, maybe it makes sense to apply the same thing in Angular 1 for speeding up the digest loop. Uh, so because the digest loop does something uh, a bit similar, uh, on each iteration of the digest loop, it takes all watched expressions, it evaluates their values in the appropriate context, and uh, after that, uh, on the next uh, iteration, it just uh, does the same by comparing the current results of the evaluated expressions with the previous results. And uh, if you're using, for example, watch, and the third argument of the watch uh, method for adding uh, such listeners is true, you're going to perform a deep check. But if you're using immutable data, you can only perform a reference check, and this is going to speed up your digest quite a lot. That's why I decided that it might be useful in Angular 1. Uh, so you mentioned side effects a while back. Can you explain what those are and like what some examples of them are? Right, so uh, a side effect, this is more related to the advantage you can take of uh, the immutable data structures in Angular 2 or React. But uh, basically, if, you, if we are talking about Angular 2, let's stop talking about React now. So if we start talking about Angular 2, and a given component performs a side effect. This could be, for example, modifying some global variable or just uh, using mutable data. And one component this way can modify the parameters passed to different components by owning reference to the data used by the different the, the other component. And these are two examples of side effects. And so, why again, why is that such a bad thing? In the case of Angular 2, it's uh, quite a bad thing because you can't decide when you need to re-render your UI. So, well, and that's a bad thing, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it can make the performance of your app much poorer. Right, like in Angular 1, for example, if you make any change, it has to go once to the digest and calculate the changes, then it has to go a second time and look at all the data again and make sure that none of the data changed because of the first change that happened, right? So it always has to do two passes, right? Yeah, that's true as well. And also the way you compare the data, if you are not using immutable data structures, it is much slower because you need to perform a deep check. Although when you're using immutable data structures, you can perform only a reference check. You only com can compare the current reference of whether the, you can check whether the current reference of the result of the expression is equal to the previous one. And that's because changes occur by creating a new object. Yeah, exactly. That's why I thought that uh, this is maybe not the most efficient way to speed up your digests. The immutable data structures, well, they have some overhead and we are not, we are not, uh, first of all, we are not completely taking advantage of all the features which, all the good things which uh, the immutable data structures provide us. And second of all, well, it seems like a hacky solution to speed up your digests by creating a new reference to and uh, yeah, this this seems quite unpractical. So I decided to try something different in Angular 1. And uh, it was to make it possible to compare only a few fields of this data structure in order to verify that uh, 
it's different from the data structure gotten from the previous evaluation of the digest group. And uh, well, I dig a little bit deeper into the implementation of uh, the digest method, and uh, so that this is quite possible. So I created a better solution for Angular One, which does not use immutable data structures. Now, aren't immutable data structures kind of at conflict with large quantities of data? Like, if uh, you, yeah. say you have a big, big, big list, and you need to add one item to the list, isn't there sort of a fight between the fact that it's easy to compare and understand that, hey, this list has changed because the reference is now different, but on the other hand, to create the new data structure, which is a copy of the old one, which is already big, to copy all those elements and then create, and then add the other new element when you create the new data structure. How do you, how does that work? Yeah, uh, so... Um... In Angular 1, it's, it's unpractical. You're, you're correct on this. But um, the way, uh, so I, for my tests, I used immutable.js, and mm-hmm. they're using some uh, smarter way for implementing immutable data structures. They are not copying the entire, the entire list in the case you, you suggested. They are not copying the entire list. They are using uh, something called persistent data structures, which are, well, we can think of them as a smarter way for implementing immutable data structures. So they are not copying the entire list. They are doing some, running some complex algorithms in order to achieve the same effect. And on the other side, well, it is much cheaper to create, even if you are creating an entirely new different, entirely new data structure, it is much cheaper to create it compared to uh, the other option, which is to re-render your entire UI. So let's let's compare that a little bit to a, a scenario because I kind of follow where Joe is going. Let's say we're in the UI and we have a list of results, and somebody, uh, let's say, two new items need to be appeared through sockets connection or through a rerunner or filter. If we use a mutable data structure, from hearing you correctly, we would throw away the hundred objects that we had in there in, in that uh, list, and then we would re-render a new list that had the hundred and two in there. Is that what you're saying? Well, not uh, exactly, because uh, th- here the persistent data stru- structures come into play, because um, it, there are a way to do this in an optimized way. There are, uh, there are some very interesting lectures on uh, OpenCourseWare by MIT, which uh, could be checked out. Um, they introduced uh, persistent data structures and different ways for implementation. And exactly can, we get, one, uh, can we get you to give us links to that we could put in the show notes? Yeah, sure. And uh, exactly one of these ways for implementing persistent data structures is used in immutable JS. But yeah, you have some performance overhead when you change uh, given immutable data structures because you need to maintain these persistent data structures in order to get uh, the appropriate result. And still, I believe, uh, so you need to perform for sure application-specific benchmarks in order to verify that uh, this overhead is worth it. So you had said that it's faster to do that, to create the new data structure, even if you are copying data, than it is to re-render your whole UI. So can you explain how it is that, let's like take John's example. I've got 100 items. I add two more for some reason. Now I've got 102. How is it that the when I change that data structure to a new reference, I don't end up needing to re-render all 102 new items? Or 102 items is new, and I know that just the two that were new are actually new, and that's all that gets adjusted uh, when we re-render. This, this depends uh, on how you have decomposed your components. Maybe you have some 
component which is called, for example, lists, and you have uh, item components which are child components of the list. If you pass a new reference to the list, basically it is going to require re-rendering of itself and it is going to pass the separate items to the list items it owns. Most likely you are going to end up only with re-rendering, only with rendering of the two new items, not with the rest, uh, how much were they, a hundred? Mm -hmm. So kind of getting back to the, uh, in that same example, kind of getting back to Angular specifically, or Angular 1, how does yeah. the track by uh, syntax help you or uh, affect this in any way? Uh, well, with it, in Angular 1, I don't think we can apply exactly the same strategy. In Angular 1, my optimization was uh, most mostly connected with a way to optimize the digest loop only by comparing references rather than comparing when doing deep check, deep quiz check or shallow check with watch collection. So, uh, yeah, uh, what was uh, your question again? Sorry. So, like today, let's say we're not using immutable data for now. Uh, one possible scenario we could do a lot is if we did have like 100 rows of data, like 10 columns each, well, you know, that could be slow sometimes when we're modifying one row or adding one new one somewhere. So one of the things they introduced, uh, Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, was like Angular 1.3, maybe? Yeah. 1.2, okay. where they had track by on the ng repeat, which would effectively, uh, as long as you gave the ID that it was tracking by, it'd say, hey, look, those elements in the DOM shouldn't change. Leave them alone. Only add or remove the ones that don't match, uh, which was a significant UI performance increase. Now, that's not immutable data structures. That's, you know, helping the DOM render where things are going. But I'm wondering if there's some combination of using immutable data structures and that kind of a strategy, the track by strategy that could really maybe really help improve performance. Yeah, I haven't uh, got deeper into this algorithm. I think it's implemented in ng-repeat. You will have troubles using uh, ng-repeat with immutable data structures. So you cannot use uh, ng-repeat with immutable data structures at all because, well, the immutable data structures are not something which ng-repeat knows about. Uh, and uh, I haven't done profiling uh, using track by immutable data, so I can't state my opinion on this. Right, right. And I, and I I'm just kind of, kind of push the envelope a little bit and think about, you know, what are some of the biggest common issues we have with large data structures? It's not usually just one large data structure. Usually it's a, it's a list, and, you know, the most common places those appear are in loops, obviously. And so I was just wondering if you had seen or thought about anything that could track both not the data structure performance, but also the DOM rendering. Mm -hmm. um, I, I saw that in Angular 2, they are doing, doing some pretty awesome things with, uh, the, uh, with pipes there. They have special pipe for optimization of exactly iterating over large data structures. Uh, so, uh, this could be an interesting um, read just to, just to scan the, their implementation of the. Sounds like we've got a great topic to, uh, a great topic to ask one of the Angular team members later too to see if something maybe could be extended there. Yeah, sure. So can we talk a little bit more about Angular 2 and immutable data and how well immutable data works with Angular 2? Yeah. Well, uh, so I was inspired to talk about Angular 2 when I saw the notes after the meet meetup uh, between the React teams and the Angular teams. Uh, in this meetup, in the notes, I saw that um, the Angular team is going to implement some support of immutable data structures in the core of the framework, which was fun. So I exchanged some emails with Victor from the core team, and really they have some awesome plans there. Basically, this is the same concept. Uh, so we can think about the Angular 2 components as pure functions the same way we thought about them in the React components. 
And uh, well, if we know that this component accepts some inputs and based on and with the same input, it always returns the same output. We don't need to re-render this component if we pass the same parameters to this com to, to it. Basically, we are sure that we are going to have the same output by the component, basically the, the, the same DOM. So we don't need to re-render it or anything. We just can skip the entire subtree, component subtree. Interesting. So do you think that we're going to see a lot bigger adoption of immutable data once Angular 2 comes out? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, Victor has some awesome blog posts about using observables and immutable data structures in Angular 2. Uh, I already saw that RxJS is in the core, so you need RxJS, you need observables in order to, you can use observables in Angular 2. And um, probably next couple of months we're going to see immutable JS as well, but I can't be sure on this. I haven't, I don't have any additional information. But most likely because you have huge performance benefits, they reduced the number of digest uh, iterations to only one by making the entire dirty checking by making Angular 2 uh, only with unidirectional data flow. So they reduce, they uh, remove the additional runs of the digest loop. And the only way to increase performance even further is just to not perform this digest at all. And it is possible to reduce it by using immutable data structures. Mm. So you mentioned observables. Can you kind of talk about the relationship between immutable data and observables? We're, we're seeing both of those things a lot now in these newer frameworks being talked about. Well, I don't think I don't see much uh, a big relation between them, or I haven't thought about this. Maybe if I see some, uh, so they are closer to promises and callbacks. But with immutable data structures, you just uh, can simply build more functional UI, which is actually the same for observables. There is a nice library called PsychoJS, which take, takes advantage of these concepts. And so, I can add it into the pics as well. Observables are interesting, right? Because one of the first earlier spa frameworks that was out there, which did data binding and templating and all that, and it's still pretty active, is Knockout.js. And a lot of that was based upon the concept of observability. And obviously that's not something that's built into the language. But it's curious that things have kind of come full circle going back to observables, uh, even though they're, they're now more native in the ES6. Do you see more frameworks heading towards observables in the future uh, to kind of support these kind of concepts? Or are they heading towards observables and immutability or one or the other? Uh, yeah, most likely. Basically, observables, there is in basically the, the entire observable observer pattern. It is uh, in core of MVC and each MV whatever framework. They got very popular recently, but I believe we've used them, maybe not with the extension which RxJS introduced, but we've used them last couple of years without giving that much attention to them. So what's interesting to me, too, is that with everything, there's a cost, right? There is no, hey, this is a better way, and there is nothing about it that makes it uh, makes you lose anything, at least yeah. in technology, it always seems. And always, it's you weigh the pros and the cons. But the thing with observability, I always liked it, but the one thing I really liked about Angular, the digest cycle in one, is that we had no worries about setting up special property setters and getters to figure out how to observe our properties. We could literally just take a raw JSON object, map it into a JavaScript, uh, set a code in a controller, and we could bind it up to a view, and bam, we've got data binding, we've got all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, with observability, we now have to monitor and watch and observe, 
uh, literally those kinds of properties. Do you see any uh, similar things in immutability that we talked about the positive sides of it, but are there any cons that we have to be aware of uh, with immutability or maybe not cons, but anything we just have to be careful of? It's got to be the same drawback, right? Like you can't just take any raw JSON and it's now immutable, right? You have to put it inside of a special immutable data structure. Is that, is that true? Yeah, or you can freeze it with uh, ECMAScript 5 syntax, object.freeze. Is, is that is, enough? Is it simply enough to just do its object freeze? I mean, if so, then why do we have Immutable.js and all these other tools? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. It's it's exactly the same. Which I think the biggest uh, drawback of using Immutable is exactly maintaining the persistent data structures, the overhead of creating the new objects, which is... Uh, you need just to do some application-specific benchmarks in order to verify that using uh, immutable data is the best thing for your application or not. Uh, I did a lot of benchmarks for this, and it turned out that in Angular 1, using immutable data structures, it's actually not the best thing you can do when you have collections below 500 items, for example. So, yeah, there is some performance overhead, and you need to be aware of it. So if people want to start playing with uh, immutable data in Angular 1, are there good places for them to get started? Uh, yeah, I have uh, three blog posts for Angular 1 and uh, immutable data structures. I did uh, a lot of benchmarks using BenchPress, and uh, I published my research uh, at my blog. Uh, however, yeah, they can take advantage of them, of uh, immutable data structures in Angular 1, and... Uh, they have to be careful how exactly they are doing this because and, and do some application-specific benchmarks, as I said, because Angular 1 does not have also support of these immutable data structures out of the box. So I created a few additional libraries in order to fix this. But uh, I would recommend to play with immutable data structures with more component-based UI, just like uh, what React and Angular 2 provide us. Are there good examples of this with Angular 2, then? that people can actually go and explore and play with? Uh, Victor has good blog posts on this topic. I haven't seen any sample applications okay. with this, but yeah, it is a nice uh, weekend project. All right, we'll see if we can get uh, links to those in the show notes. Yep, sure. So what's your background with immutability, and how did you get into it? All right, so um, first I started learning Haskell maybe five or six years ago. And that was the first place I saw how what the immutable data structures are. I don't think I really understood how we can take advantage of them. I only knew that it is a purely functional language. You cannot change anything. And, uh, well, then the, the data structure should be immutable as well. But uh, a few months ago, when I started working on my React user interface, I saw that it might be useful to apply the same techniques in Angular 1. And uh, I came up with this idea also because I dug deeper into the Angular 1's implementation and saw how exactly the digest loop runs. I built my uh, very simplified version of Angular in order to make sure that I know how everything wires up together. And that was the moment when I saw, well, maybe using immutable data structures makes sense in some cases. And yeah, that's it. That's the long story, the long story short. Now, immutability has been around for a long time. And I know that, like, years ago, we saw immutability start making its way into languages like Java and C Sharp. 
and now it's making its it's becoming a popular topic in JavaScript. Do you think that's because a lot of people are coming from those worlds into JavaScript and bringing it over, or is it a re- reflection of the fact that people are realizing, hey, we want to push things beyond what they can do, and we need new ideas? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, in um, Java and C sharp, you can take advantage of the immutable data structures because they are very friendly for concurrent programming in in multi thread environment. It is good to have immutable data because you cannot have any inconsistency state of the data structures because basically you are you cannot change them. In uh, Angular two uh, and in the modern web UI, I see how we can take advantage of them in a different way, more like the way we use them in the functional programming uh, in order to build the functional user interface, which we can easier reason about and test and also increase the performance by using different uh, framework-specific techniques. Can you explain that a little bit better, that concept of functional user interface? I'm not completely sure that everyone uses this uh, term for what I'm talking about, but uh, this is the same thing while thinking about your components as functions as and uh, as pure, pure functions, which accept the inputs and return the output when they are called with the same input. So what are the inputs and what are the outputs then? For example, in the list example, the list component will accept list of items and it is going to pass each list item to the item child component. And none of these components has any internal state. It only accepts the input and returns the output. Just stateless components. Yeah, I hear people, you know, when I read about React and mess around with React, I hear people talking about viewing React as functional in that the data goes in and the UI comes out, right? And so you can imagine anytime you change the data, now the UI has changed, but it's a very one-way thing. Data in, UI out, whereas other MVC frameworks, Angular is a great example of this, we think of the UI and the data as this sort of circular. You know, the data changes the UI, then the UI takes actions and it changes the data and back and forth in a circle. Is this different thought process of UI data goes in and UI comes out and it doesn't make a loop, which is kind of flux kind of embodies this whole idea, right? Is this something that is important to understanding and dealing with immutable data when it comes to these front-end MVC frameworks? Yeah, um, you can use the same. So so basically we're talking about flux and MVC, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, in flux, it's not mandatory to use immutable data structures, at least from, well, there is a broad definition of what Flux is. Uh, according to my implementation, it's not uh, strictly necessary to use immutable data structures. However, I've, I've seen a lot of benefits from using the, this uh, data structures because of the reasons of uh, improved performance and uh, easier testing. Hmm. Uh, however, uh, yeah, I definitely like this unidirectional data flow. There are a lot of projects which are, there are a lot of people who are applying the same strategy in Angular 1 even. And there is going to be such a, a talk on Angular Connects, I believe, uh, which is going to be super fun. Also, Victor again from the core team, he wrote a blog post how we can use Flux in Angular 1 projects. Interesting. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, well... It's fun, and uh, I had a lot of troubles by dealing with this 
cascading updates when you have MVC. The the view throws well, not exactly. Let's do not talk about is exactly about Angular one, but in, about MVC in general. Just the model throws an event, the view captures it, the view throws an event from for change of the model, the model captures it, and just a wild loop with throwing just random events, which which can get quite messy sometimes. Hmm. That's why I'm uh, using Flux uh, recently, and I'm just exploring it and taking advantage of uh, its simplicity. Cool. Are there any other interesting points that we uh, haven't covered in the topic? I think we said already said that there is no built-in support for immutability in Angular One. Right. Is immutable immutable JS? Is it is that like the library to use if you want to start? Uh, learning and dealing with immutability inside of JavaScript? Yeah, pretty much. I think so. Nothing's as good as uh, an endorsement as if you've got some awesome, you know, use case or whatever. So I know I go in to try to sell ideas, and first thing people say is, that sounds awesome. Is there somebody already doing that? And can I see, you know, the case study or just an explanation of how that helped them? With kind of using immutable data structures, do you have any examples of places you, you've used this that are kind of like the, the hallmark of, this made an impact by doing X, Y, Z? Yeah, based on the benchmarks I did uh, in the series of blog posts I covered, you can reason about your applications if you have the same environment as in the benchmarks using huge uh, collections and intensive digest loop iterations. You can definitely take advantage of the immutable data structures. And uh, in Flux, I haven't actually seen uh, in any directional data flow. Uh, in Flux, I mean in Angular 2, is included in the picture as well. I haven't seen any um, use case, and uh, not use cases, but uh, any case studies of the topic. However, the testability is definitely getting much easier when using immutable data because you don't produce any side effects. You so, so what kind I, of uh, what kind of applications have you used this in that's uh, that's kind of benefited personally? Well, just building a complex user interface, single page application, where you need to, which is actually quite heavy, and it needs to be optimized for performance, and also you need to have some um, stable architecture which uh, is able to evolve evolve during in future. Are these like externally facing applications that Respaz you've created and done this with, or are these internally like uh, more line of business type internal apps, or can you kind of describe what kind of applications it uh, might be ideal for this? Uh, well, just. I think that any uh, applications with complex user interface, like uh, a lot of components composed together, like... Like a to-do app? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) The perfect, most complex app you could possibly build. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, to-do app or either something like uh, with conference communications and uh, chat insights and also some, let's say to-dos and things like that. Basically, a lot of components which which use a lot of data and trying to optimize the actually the user's uh, experience for this to optimize the performance cool, of thanks. the application. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Let's do it. We like right. picks. Katya, do you have some picks for us? The Little Mermaid. I got to go see it performed at Hale Center yesterday, and it was amazing. So the play. Yeah, the play Little Mermaid. Awesome. I love Disney stuff. Isn't everyone? <laughs> I know, right? Joe, do you have a pick for us? Yeah. 
So I'll also pick The Little Mermaid. I enjoyed watching it. There's some new songs in there, one of which uh, I thought was actually really, really a good song. So I will definitely pick The Little Mermaid as well, the play version of Little Mermaid. I also want to mention that I'm going to be doing some training for Primitive I.O. It's going to be a two-day remote classroom, small classroom training on Angular. So if you're looking to level up your Angular skills, it's a great way to do it. I'm excited to do some classroom-type training instead of big, large group training, you know. So only having, you know, less than 20-ish people in a virtual room to talk to. So you can register on Primitive.io, and I think they're giving a big discount for right now. It'll be, we'll be doing it in September. So I'm excited for that, and those are my picks. So I, I guess I, I'm picking me. I pick myself. <laughs> pick me, pick me. Yep. John, what are your picks? So I've got a couple of picks. Uh, for technology side, I, I want to pick uh, Douglas Crawford has a great keynote called JavaScript, The Better Parts. It's basically a new keynote he's been putting together and using recently, and I got a chance to see it. And it's, uh, it's really awesome. You know, it's, it's a great – he talks about how he made the book originally and how it's taken off and been a bestseller for years. But more importantly, I feel like he's made some updates and some amends to some of the things he said. And uh, it's something you got to check out. So check it out. We'll find out if it's up on YouTube or not. If it's not, definitely try to check out Douglas Crawford at the next event he's speaking at. I mean, from the non-technology side – I'm going to pick DuckTales. It's a TV show I watched when I was a kid dating myself, Joe, like Joe is. And it's my son and daughter have been watching a lot lately. And it's just reminding me of a lot of uh, things that I used to watch. And it's amazing how it's uh, hasn't aged because they're still completely uh, immersed in what this thing is. And finally, I'll pick uh, Site is doing a summer campfire, I think they're calling it. Is that right, Joe? I have no idea. It's I, some kind I saw of something about it. It looked kind of cool. Yeah, I, I hadn't really been paying attention. I do write for them, but yeah, I kind of tuned out for a while because I was busy at work and I looked up and it's been going crazy lately. They're actually giving away like a couple dozen of their courses all summer long in some kind of contest. And uh, yeah, I can't remember cool what they idea. called it. Is it is it called Campfire? Is that what they called it? Uh, something like Summer Campfire or uh, American Summer. Pie Four. I don't know which one it was. Yeah, yeah, it was something. But yeah, they're giving away like thirty different courses or something. Camp yeah. Plural site. Camp, Camp Plural, plural site. site. Way to go. go. Yeah, I mean, and free free learning yeah. is always good. The guy who isn't the Plural site author is the one who identified what it was. <laughs> speaks yeah. well for John and I. Yeah, yeah, that's, I guess we're, you know, persona non grata now. <laughs> yeah, my Google skills are faster than yours. <laughs> What's Google? I'm sorry, Lycos. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, we had some guys uh, talking about how old they were. Yeah, Lycos. Wow. I mean, you didn't even go for something like Ask Jeeves. You went all the way. Yeah. Alta, Alta Vista. Alta Vista. Yeah, I mean, at least that was a little bit more well-known. But Lycos, wow. That's Lycos. That's really back there, way back there. Yep. All right. I'm going to make a couple of picks here. I had to do some video recording for my sister's wedding on Saturday. Just recorded people at a reception and then, you know, recorded her and her new husband, you know, at the temple where they were married and, and stuff. And I got a couple of things that helped out. One is uh, I got this clip that holds your iPhone or other smartphone in place. So you can use it as a camera on a tripod. And it worked really well and it cost like eight bucks. So uh, if you're looking to do some videography and you're, you know, you're not doing, uh, you know, big honking awesome camera stuff, then that'll work. 
The other thing that I got was a video stabilizer. And this is something that attaches to the bottom of your camera, just like a tripod does. And what it is, is it has counterweights on it so that you can hold on to the handle. And as you move it around, it keeps the camera smooth and steady. And it was pretty handy as well. It's kind of hard to describe what it looks like, but I'll put links in the show notes. And then if you're going to be doing some sort of freehand video shooting, then you can go check it out. And that was like like a steady cam for your cell phone. I can just imagine you with a big harness on your hip and at the end of this big long thing is a cell phone. <laughs> no, it, it this thing just it's all just in your hand. So there's nothing that, you know, goes back to your core or anything like that. Huh. Funny. But uh, anyway, it works pretty well and I was pretty happy with it, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Miko, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, sure. Yesterday I watched awesome talk by Michael Ferris, who talks about the relation between testability and good design. And so I want to share this pick with you. With enough imagination, you can see the topic of immutability in this talk. Awesome. I'm a fan of Michael Feathers. Definitely good pick there. All right. Well, thank you for coming, Minko. Thank you for having me. If people want to follow up or see what you're about or anything like that, how do they do that? I'm mostly active at GitHub and Twitter, so they can find me there. All right, cool. Thanks again. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Do you want to have conversations with the Adventures in Angular crew and their guests? Do you want to support the show? Now you can. Go to adventuresinangular.com slash forum and sign up today. 